Welcome back to the 2R1 podcast, where we study the Bible together as a married couple. I'm Taylor. I'm Elisa. And we're glad you're back with us. Last week, we were in Acts chapter 1. We finished up the chapter. The title was, It Will Be. This week, the title is, One One Voice. Voice. In Acts chapter 2, then we're going to speak with a good friend of ours, Lewis Burns. He is a... uh, minister in prison ministries in Lowndes County. So we hope you enjoy it. Stay tuned. Enjoy the ride. We'll see you in just a bit. be serious when you're laughing at me well you you were looking funny (laughs) (laughs) i wish i could see the expression i have a tendency to be what the young people call extra a little extra i do yeah animated extra extra Mm -hmm. all right so we're gonna be in acts chapter two uh take it away babe all right when the day of pentecost arrived they were all together in one place and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind and it filled the entire house where they were sitting and divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them and they were all filled with the holy spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the spirit gave them utterance now there were there now there were dwelling in jerusalem jews devout men from every nation under heaven and at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered, because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, Are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear, each of us in our own native language, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, and the parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene, and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongues the mighty works of God. And all were amazed and perplexed, saying to one another, What does this mean? But others mocking said, They were filled with new wine. Lord, we love you, we thank you, and we praise you, Lord, just for being good, Lord. We thank you that your word is um, deeper than we can ever get, Lord, and and um, more prophetic than we could ever understand, Lord, and it's um, just so deep and so wide, Lord, and Lord, it's a never-ending journey, and I, fa- I pray, Father, that you would take us deeper in that journey uh, today through this study in the book of Acts, Father. May we... Um, look like the church, Father, that you built in Acts, Lord. May we be the church that you built in Acts, Lord. And um, I pray that you would speak to us and give us all the wisdom that you want us to know and have through this study in the book of Acts. Uh, Go before us tonight and speak through us. Forgive us of our sins. Wash us clean and bind us together in unity and love for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so now we're getting into the nitty-gritty. And... You and I, Elisa, have been very busy lately, but that's like pretty much all the time. Uh, We didn't have a podcast last week. We took the week off, and it was partly because of being busy, but that's every week. But the other part was that I was extremely intimidated by this chapter. Have you felt that at all, by the book of Acts, by this chapter at all, anything like that? (laughs) Well, 
I mean, it is acts in general, I guess, is a little intimidating because that's who we're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, this is the part where it gets really exciting. Yeah. So. But the burden of teaching something or saying mm-hmm. what we've been given, I feel like I just feel a greater sense of, of, of um, pressure. And well, I think that's because that's where our church, the church age that we're in now is seeing a, a shift. And I think everybody's feeling that urgency right now. I mean, the true followers, at least. Mm-hmm. Maybe the, not the Western American church as, it, as it's become, but where it's headed. Yeah. So I, I really, we were talking about, should we have a podcast? I was like, well, I think we should take a week off because I still don't feel like God has done speaking to me about this chapter and I still don't feel like God has done speaking to me about this chapter. And there's things that this chapter kind of hints at that will come later in the book of Acts that I still don't think God has done speaking well, to me about. Done. He's never done. And there will be people that would teach this chapter differently than I will and you will and we will. And so we're going to do our very best to um, speak and teach under God's leading and, and what God's given me. Uh, so, with that said, we're going to get into the exciting part. I'm excited part, like to you see what he's about. giving you. So, <laughs> you read out the ESV. I'm going to real quick swap to the CJB, the uh, Complete Jewish Bible. Um, so, basically, we're talking about Pentecost here. What we, what most Christians know as Pentecost, the Jewish people would know this as Shabbat. Um, so, the ver- very first verse talks about the festival of Shabbat. So, real quick background on Shabbat. Real quick. Um, Shabbat was one of the, um, some scholars would say, one of the three main Jewish festivals. You know, you have um, Passover, which everybody is familiar with Passover. It's the most uh, famous one that Jews celebrate. That is when God delivered the people of Israel out of Egypt through the Passover lamb and the blood over the doorpost, and God sent the angel of death to pass over the houses uh, that had blood over the doorpost. And it was a pre, it was a prophecy to Jesus coming and him being his blood being applied to our lives and God would pass over us in the judgment Um, by Jesus's blood are we saved just like the children of Israel were saved so it was a prophecy and all of his um, all of God's feasts all of God's celebrations are prophecies and this one is no different so Shavuot uh, is what we know as Pentecost and it is celebrated seven sevens after the Passover so 49 days, seven weeks, seven days of seven. And after the seven days, seven weeks of seven, 49 days, you celebrate Pentecost or Shavuot on the 50th day. Penta meaning mm-hmm. 50. That's where the Greek uh, word Pentecost comes from. So the 50 days after Jesus was crucified is what we're dealing with in this chapter. 50 mm-hmm. days after the Feast of Shavuot. Okay, Shavuot uh, originally began as a feast to celebrate the grain harvest and to give back to God what God has given to the people of Israel. So this was a a celebration of the grain harvest. But it also became known through Jewish culture and tradition as the celebration of the giving of the Torah on Mount Sinai. So if you read once the children of Israel come out of um, Egypt, they cross over the Red Sea, you know, Moses goes to meet with God on the mountain. He comes down with the two tablets of stone. Then, you know, the whole thing where Moses finds the people in idolatry, breaks the stones, God takes him back on the mountain, gives him two more stones. And the Bible does not, at least as I've studied it and as I'm familiar with it, does not specifically say 
that Shavuot occurred exactly on the day that Moses gave the Torah. But because of the timing of the children of Israel leaving Egypt after the Passover and roughly 50 days thereafter, Moses goes and meets with God on the mountain, the Jews throughout their history have celebrated Shavuot as those two things. Mm -hmm. Um, The biggest thing being the giving of the Torah. Uh, The Torah is the Old Testament or the instruction of God. So we talked about in the first podcast about how Acts is all about, you know, in, in the Old Testament, God instructed his people through his prophets and his scriptures. And now God in, in the new covenant, we are led by his spirit. Mm-hmm. You know, his word and the spirit come together to lead us and guide us as Christian people. Remember in the Old Testament, they didn't have that. And in the very first few verses of the chapter, they still don't have the Holy Spirit indwelling them. That's what happens in this verse. So it's very fitting that... This happens on Shabbat because just like in the Old Testament, in their on their festival day, Moses gives them God's instruction on Shabbat. God is giving us His new version of instruction, which is His Holy Spirit that is going to live in us and guide us and lead us towards Jesus and towards Jesus' plan for mm-hmm. our life. So that is why Shabbat is important. We need to understand that 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 the Jewish people, who are the people sitting in this room would have realized an even greater significance of this day. Wow, back then on this day, God gave us His scriptures, but now God's giving us His Spirit to live in us, to interpret those scriptures and to lead us and guide us. So Shavuot, they're there. They're waiting like Jesus said to wait. So they're already, they're in obedience right now, and they're waiting together. It says all the believers gathered together in one place. Now, I always understood this one place to be the upper room. As I read this, it doesn't say the upper room, and I don't see how it could have been the upper room. Okay, and not, not that super important, just a little side note there. But there's 120 of them. I mean, you and I have had Bible studies in our house, and when we get 40 kids in our den, it gets tight and packed in there. Mm. 120 people. Imagine 120 people. I mean, I don't, most people listen to this, people, if you had 120 people in your home at one time, that would be super packed, right? Mm-hmm. And so, I don't know if this... It could have been in the upper room. We don't know. Um, mine basically says a house. Uh, so they were gathered together in one place. Suddenly there came a sound from the sky like the roar of a violent wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. So it says house here. Filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then they saw what looked like tongues of fire, which separated and came to rest on each one of them. Then they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different languages as the Spirit enabled them to speak. Now, there were staying in Jerusalem religious Jews. We know that. When they heard this sound, a crowd gathered. So what sound was that? If you read the ESV, it reads to me like the sound is them speaking in other languages. I don't believe that to be the case. I believe the original sound that led them there was this loud, mighty rushing wind sound. You know, you got 120 people in a house. They hear this sound, and boom, the Holy Spirit shows up on the scene in the home. All these other people that are in town for the Feast of Pentecost or Shabbat from all over, from all over the world, the Bible says in here, they hear this sound too. I mean, just we live near an Air Force base, and every now and then a plane's coming, and you can hear it in our house, a big, loud plane. So it would be something like that, that the whole area and town heard, and they're like, what is this sound? 
So they kind of come to investigate where maybe this central sound is kind of coming from, and that's where they encounter these people speaking in different languages. And babe, I've been speaking nonstop. You got anything to add so far? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I completely agree. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, it even says the Greek word used here for like a rushing wind was noe or something like that, P-N-O-E. And it sounds like the word for spirit, pneuma, and um, and it even talks about it. If you go into the to the like a word study here, it talks about how you know the intensity of the sound, and it was it just it was its origin was from heaven, just like when you hear a a rushing wind now. If you, I mean, we just had hurricane winds not too long ago. And it's loud. It comes from the and, sky. And it comes from heaven, yes. Mm-hmm, from the first heaven. And so um, it just notes the, the divine source, you know? And so... This it, was something out of the ordinary. Yeah. Everybody was kind of like, what's going on? Mm-hmm. And so that's what got them all riled up. What's going on? So they go to see what this sound is. Then they encounter them speaking in different uh, languages. Mm-hmm. Um, so it says when they heard this sound, a crowd gathered, they were confused because each one heard the believer speaking in his own language. They said, how is this possible? So they go on to say, Hey, we're people in, in town from all over the world. They name tons of different places they're from. You mentioned those names. Mm-hmm. How is it that we all understand what they're saying, proclaiming the amazing works of God in our own languages, mm-hmm. so I was. And re- they said they're they're um, Galileans, right? Mm-hmm. Is that how you say that? Mm-hmm. And um, and if you look at if you study a little bit about Galileans, they were actually believed to be the least ed- uneducated, the so most the least, un- least the least educated. educated, the most uneducated out of all the the groups. So the fact that you know it may not be as abnormal if one of the other groups was speaking in another language, it'd be like you know. Um, some really smart person knowing three or four languages, but the fact that Galileans were speaking in different languages, they were like, what? Yeah, it made even less sense. Yeah. So they come in, and just just imagine this. Like, the more I think about this miracle, the more amazing it becomes. Because just imagine you were to go to, like, you know, you've seen um, kind of the UN meetings where the people from all over the world come, and they sit, and all the governments from around the world meet, and they all have their little name tag in front of them and their little flag, and they all have these little earpieces in that translate. Mm-hmm. Well, it would be similar. Imagine everybody is speaking, but we understand it just like it's English, but mm-hmm. they're all speaking Spanish and French and German and Russian and all these different languages. Now, they weren't speaking those specific languages, but this is an analogy. Right. I mean, how, how, how many simultaneous miracles had to be going on for that to be the case? So it's an amazing thing. And it's it nev- is the exact opposite. You know, I'm, we mentioned last time how Acts is kind of reversing. It's a huge reversal of what's already taken place. You know, when God scattered the people and their languages, you know, this is the complete opposite. Now he's bringing all these different languages into one voice. Yep, and that's where that's what God gave me. So I was reading this, and I was like, we had been listening to Josh Garrels, a song called Follow, Um I've been listening to that specific song, and at the end of the chorus, he says one voice. And so that, i kind of been singing it in my head, and I was reading this, and God said, 
kind of in, in my spirit, he said, where is the last time there was one voice? You know, where, where was the, where, where again in the Bible did the people have one voice? And that was like you said, when God confused the languages in, mm-hmm. uh, that's in Genesis 11, mm-hmm. the Tower of Babel. So I went back and I read that. And let me just, let me read this to you. Like Elisa said, okay, this is, this is amazing. Listen to this, okay? Genesis 11, verse 1. The whole earth used the same language, the same words. It came about that as they traveled from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and lived there. They said to one another, Come, let's make bricks and bake them in the fire. So they had bricks for building stone and clay for mortar. Then they said, Come, let's build ourselves a city with a tower that has its top reaching up into heaven so that we can make a name for ourselves and be scattered and not be scattered all over the earth. God came down to see the city and the tower the people were building. God said, Look, the people are united. They all have a single language and see what they are starting to do. At this rate, nothing they set out to accomplish will be impossible for them. Come, let's go down and confuse their language so that they won't understand each other's speech. So God came down and disrupted them because the power that they wielded having one language. So now we see God is restoring the voice to, to one language. And if in Genesis 11, having one language made it where nothing was impossible for us, then now that is true, mm-hmm. that God has brought the language back together, that He's given mm-hmm. us one voice. And that's really what God showed me. He just confirmed some things that we'd already been talking about. The power of one voice, the power of unity in the body, that we're all speaking the same things, glorifying God. God says in Genesis 11 that if that's the case, that nothing will be impossible for us. And we know that Jesus said with God, with God, all things are possible. But the power in unity, and uh, I've had several conversations with pastors and friends of ours, and we're all trying to figure out what's missing uh, in our own Christian lives and experiences, and where is the power of God on display uh, our pastor preached on this last Sunday, and um, he talked about how the reason why the Christian church is missing power many times is because we don't go, like Jesus said, go. We don't do the Great Commission and go, and we don't pray. And if you look at the root of both of those things, there is you know, this unity, this idea of unity. When we go, like you said, Elisa, after your trip to Uganda, that the going and being on mission breaks down these dumb, subtle differences that we try and build and create between us as different denominations and as different types of Christians. Being on mission makes all of that fade into the background when we are united in our mission. And even crazier is you do speak different languages and you're still united. And you would think you'd be more divided, but yeah. you're more united. And then if you look at prayer... Prayer is all about coming into agreement with God and agreeing together. I mean, Jesus said, if, if two or three agree touching any one thing, it shall be granted unto mm-hmm. them from my Father who is in heaven. There's the, the idea of unity and agreement and two and three witnesses is, is strong as a thread all throughout the Bible. And God is confirming that here. But I would submit 
the single greatest issue in most churches is this lack of unity and this fact that we are not speaking many times with one voice. Our voices many times, and I'm guilty of this, like in Genesis 11, is so that we can be recognized. That's why Mm -hmm. they built the Tower of Babel, is so that they could make a name for Mm -hmm. themselves. And it's all about their agenda and what they wanted. Now, now, if you ask Jewish scholars, they go, this is Nimrod building the Tower of Babel, and there's a whole study on that about how Nimrod was actually trying to overthrow uh, God in the spiritual realm and all this stuff. But at least at a basic surface level, Nimrod and the people, they wanted to make a name for themselves. It was selfish. It was carnal. It was fleshly. It's what we fight every day. But if we can... If we can crucify the flesh, like mm-hmm. Jesus said, take up our cross, follow Him, have one voice. And what does it mean to have one voice? Well, God is still working that out of me. But well, you mi- just said it. You just said it. You said that instead of it, what we can gain from it, and we're guilty of this as a church, even though it's good ministry and we're trying to help other people, we're still trying to gain g- growth in the wrong places. Right. And And the one voice is about glorifying Him. You know, so you can do a million good things for other people, but if it's not bringing people to Him and glorifying Him, then it's selfish in it, nature. It is, and so it, instead of us getting caught up on agreeing on every little thing, we just need to try to have that one voice of glorifying Him in everything we do. So that that's unity, how it is in heaven. Yeah, you know that unity is one voice is really. The, the buzzword and the whole idea behind the book of Acts. God is bringing together both Jew and Gentile through His Spirit so that we may have one voice, one mission, you know, one desire, you know, one um, power system, if you will. I mean, God is moving in, in and through us. Um, and I believe that over the next several weeks and months as we go through this, God will reveal more. But so far, that is what He's revealed to me and I know to you. We've kind of all been, and a lot of our friends that have been going through the same study, we've just seen a lot of, um, you know, what is it when God, confirmation. Mm-hmm. A lot of confirmation in both sermons and friends and studies and radio and all this different stuff. God is just really speaking in this area. So there will be more, and I don't fully understand all this, but I do know at a minimum, the power behind one voice. Mm -hmm. And that is what we should be striving for. Um, So I know that that is going to take humility, all right? Because if I am fighting over something that is is small and meaningful, I'm going to have to swallow that pride. I'm going to have to be like, this doesn't matter. What matters is that we have one voice on these major tenets of the faith, which is, you know, the gospel, you know, these other small doctrines that we try and get divided over, that is peanuts. So we're gonna we're not gonna go into Peter's sermon today, but I do want to mention one more thing. This is a little bit of an offshoot, but I want to mention it because I think it may help somebody. Um, and I know if I would have known this and, and saw this sooner, it would have helped me. But you hear people say all the time that God is not the author of confusion, right? Okay, that is comes from Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 14, speaking about tongues. And we're going to get into more of that issue later. But he, Paul in 2 Corinthians 14, is quoting Isaiah 28. I believe it's Isaiah 28, 11. He's kind of paraphrasing and restating what uh, Isaiah said 
in Isaiah 28. Now, Isaiah was written in Hebrew. Um, Paul writing to the Corinthians uh, is uh, in Greek, so you have two different languages there. You know, there's a huge, huge difference there, and even still a huge difference into English. But I thought to myself, okay, if you look at Genesis 11, every translation that you read says that God confused the languages. The KJV says God confounded the languages. So I thought, well, wait a minute. If, how could God confuse that if he's not the author of confusion? So I started looking into this, and I looked at 2 Corinthians 14, where that came from, and I read the context of that, Paul speaking about tongues and speaking about you know, the whole point behind... Paul talks about how you don't want to confuse people that are coming in the church. So you need to be careful that you don't confuse people coming into the church. God is not the author of confusion. That's the way it's translated. But if you look at the Bible concordance of that verse, Elisa, mm-hmm. there, beside every word, there is a little blue link or a little link that tells you the original meaning of that original word. And there's a little blue link beside every single word of that verse, except for the phrase, author of confusion. The phrase, author of confusion, is one word. It's not three. It's not two. It's not four. It's one. It's one word. And if you read what the word means, it means um, disoriented or confused. Or confusion. In my opinion, from what I'm... Exactly. God is not confusion. And if you read Isaiah 28, it gives that same picture too. And even when I read the CJB of that verse, it gives a better picture of that. So to say that God is not the author of confusion, in my opinion, was not an accurate translation of that. And why does that matter? It doesn't matter for the sake of arguing. It doesn't matter for any other reason. But I've heard people say, well, if you're confused, that's not from God. Well, wait a minute. Maybe it is. And for our own good. For our own good. Because what did he do for the people of the Tower of Babel? Okay, he did it for multiple reasons. Number one, he did it because they were trying to rebel against God and to protect, you know, God's plan and his plan of salvation. But there were people there, too, that God was trying to protect from making a horrible, horrible mistake. And so he's, he confused them to protect them mm-hmm. in many ways. And I believe that God will still do that to this day. Um, even... God used confusion in the beginning of this chapter to get these people interested into what's going on. So if you find yourself in a place where you're confused and you don't know what decision to make, don't automatically assume that just because you're confused that you're under attack from the enemy, okay? Maybe God is doing to you like he did in the Tower of Babel where he's trying to get you to do something different or he's trying to get you to slow down and listen more, to press in. I just, I officially don't like people saying God is not the author of confusion. I don't like it because I think it can confuse somebody. <laughs> you know, I think it can make you be like, oh, well, I'm confused about which job to take. That's not from God, I, blah, blah, blah. That's not necessarily true, and I believe Scripture supports that. So, you know, it's all about having that discernment and praying and saying, God, I'm confused right now. Obviously, you're trying to get me to stand still at a minimum, or to do something else. God, which way do you want me to have? I realize that I'm not sufficient. I don't understand. Which way do you want me to go? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. And those are really the two things that God gave me from the first half of chapter 2, Acts chapter 2. Do you have anything you want to add, babe? 
I did. I, I did, but I, I lost it. I, I was in deep thought. <laughs> I'm <just> sorry. <laughs> um, well, hold on. Let me see if I can jog my mind. Oh, the tongues. Yes, because a lot of people do get caught up on that, too. And I know that that is one big thing that divides the church. Yep. I mean, especially here. And, I, again, that's one of those issues that, okay, if you're going to speak in tongues, speak in tongues. Don't, don't. doesn't matter. But it does go into to detail here about that, about how it was spoken. It was not, it was spoken for the purpose of bringing others to Christ. And it, even in Acts, it happens on, I think, three other occasions. Don't hold me to that. But each time, it was for purpose of bringing others to Christ. Mm-hmm. You know, it was to present the gospel, to present his power. Paul talks about that in Second Corinthians 14. Yeah. It's for unbelievers. Yes. But then there's the prayer language. There is a prayer language that I believe in that is it is more, hey, if that's what your group wants to do, that's great. You know, if you have a, a small group or a whole church of people that is comfortable with that. But I think we should be mindful that, I mean, I have had some powerful praying women pray over me in tongues before, and it is beautiful. I mm-hmm. have no idea what they're saying, but you can you know that the Spirit is there. Mm-hmm. Uh, my mind does not know what they're saying, should I say. Your Spirit gets it. Paul says that. Mind yeah. and Spirit, he talks about that in 2 Corinthians 14. And so, you know, there's there's a time for that, and there's a time for the purpose of tongues, but we get caught up so much yes. in that. Uh, in and, and we will get into more of that yeah. as it comes, but the bottom line, and I agree with it completely, with what Elisa said, <laughs> the minute the subject of tongues becomes a source to divide, you are going in a dangerous and a bad direction. Because if you look, the whole point in tongues was for unity. It was to bring people to Christ. And the minute tongues becomes a source of division or contention, that is from the enemy. Mm-hmm. That is like God. The, you lose the power of God the minute you allow division to come in. Yeah, God may not be the author of confusion, or He may be. It <laughs> could be. <laughs> could be. But division. We should replace right. that word with division. Right. Um, well, I don't. I think that among there are His part, people. I mean, right among His people. I agree with that. But then again, there's there's some. I mean, That's God true. says that sometimes if someone is. Continually sinning, you've taught. He mm-hmm. said, you know, he'll he'll divide in order to bring restoration. So, I think we just need a better word for the type of division mm-hmm. we're talking about. Mm-hmm. The English doesn't do it justice. The no. division in the body is not doing anything for the kingdom, not doing anything for the right. lost souls here, and that is where our heart needs to be. That's where yep. our one voice needs to yep. be ultimately. Yep. Now, you also, and we're about to wrap it up and, and uh, go into our guest, but you also, some people make the mistake of. Um, sacrificing biblical truth in order to keep unity and to avoid division. That's not okay either. All right, There are times when we stand up for the gospel, both in church, church discipline, in a body, in a Bible study, in a group of believers. We stand up for the truth, even if it will cause the other person to be offended and get upset and it will create division. But in that situation, God will work that out. I have stood up for the truth of the gospel. So it, it depends on the situation. We don't want to be so pacifist that we're always worried about unity, that that's all we care about, and the Bible gets watered down. What we're talking about is biblical honesty and putting other people first so that unity can uh, develop and flourish. 
that's the point of the book of Acts. Right. And so we're going to get into more of those deep issues like you're it, talking about. It starts about. with one voice before we start Absolutely. seeing the amazing miracles that take place in Acts. And and I I want more. You want more. People listening want more. And, you know, sometimes I say that and I think to myself, do I really? You know, I think I do. Mm-hmm. But the fact that I hadn't really gotten more, maybe that means that I don't want more or I'm not ready for more or maybe it's both. But either way, let's start wanting more. Let's start at least praying that. And even if God gives us something we're not, you know, ready for and we're like, dang, I thought I wanted more. Like, we need more. And when that starts with one voice, because if we want the power of God manifest, we're going to have to have one voice, period. The book of Acts, Acts chapter 2, it's crystal clear. Do you want more, bud? I do. I want to go deeper. Deeper. Deeper still. Deeper and move wider. Hashtag Candler Swain's <laughs> blog. Check it out. Deeper Amen. still. <laughs> so coming up next, we've got a good friend of ours. He was actually both of our... Was he your high school? No, he was He was my him. high school science teacher, uh, Brother Lewis Burns. I love him with all of my heart. He's going to come up after the break and talk about his prison ministries, uh, prison ministry that he's a part of. The first couple minutes of him speaking is a little bit garbled from a bad cell phone reception. Just stay, hang with it, and it gets better very shortly wise thereafter. Very wise man. Very wise man, very godly. Sowed seeds of faith in me before you I realized. You feel smarter after you just, you don't even have to talk to him long. Yes. You feel smarter. And I wish I had the whole hour to talk with him on the phone. But anyway, stay tuned for that. Uh, we'll see you guys in a bit. Welcome back. We have our special guest on the line, Lewis Burns. He is a minister of the gospel in prisons in Lowndes County through Azalea Prison Ministries. He is also a minister of the gospel at his home church, Holiness House of Praise. Thanks for joining us, Lewis. Glad to be here. Yes, sir. Uh, Lewis, I really thought about you when I came across a story a couple weeks ago. Um, It was about a popular worship band that held a concert in a jail in New York. And, you know, I I was pleased to see that. It was just kind of a different story. You don't hear that a lot. But I immediately thought to myself, this story may be shocking to many people. And then my second thought was, that kind of makes me, that grieves my heart a little bit. So I knew just because me and you have known each other a long time, and you were actually um, my teacher in high school, and uh, actually meant a lot to me in high school. Um, there were, we had some students that passed away when I was in school, and you and you really um, you did a great deal to comfort me during that time. And I don't know if you remember that, but um, it was a, you remember that? Yes, yeah, I remember that. Um, and so I, I've just, I've all, you've always held a special place in my heart and I always knew that this was something that you were involved in. So when I read that story, you know, I'm always thinking, what, where are we heading in the podcast? Where's God leading us? And, and really this fits in right where we're at, which is in the book of Acts, we're moving through it. And this particular episode of the podcast is called One Voice. And so I really thought this fit really well with it. But before we get into some of that, um, tell us a little bit about how you got involved in prison ministry. 
you know, when the Lord first came in my life and uh, saved me, and I guess, I mean, you know, kind of like Paul, when he was down in the dirty, say, Lord, what would you have me to do? Yep. And, uh, and I want to give back to do something with Jesus so much for me. And I know the work to go and tell somebody. And, um, and so I was praying about it, and the Lord knows how to put you with somebody. And I, was, I think I, if I can recall, because over 20 years, I was in the Bible book. And um, I believe I ran into someone, didn't know him by the name of uh, Sammy Lau. Minister Sammy Lau, he talking, uh, talking inside, and he began to tell me how to work he was doing at the jail. And he said, maybe something you want to do. And he said, and I said, well, yeah, maybe I want to do that out. You know, the Lord kind of mm-hmm. put two and two together. And uh, and he began to talk about the prison ministry. And, um, and we just had to go do a couple of workshops. And that's why I met, uh, at the time, he's passed away now, um, Minister Andy Squire, Brother Andy Squire. He was by Brother Andy. Mm-hmm. And again, uh, it's about Filling out working force the background check, but I can understand it. And uh, it'll take you out to the gym. They tell you what it's going to be about, and things to do and things not to do, and really let you have your freedom. Let the Lord use your, use your voice, mm-hmm. your voice, and tell somebody else about Jesus, you know, because there's a need. And, uh, and I went in, and man, I, I've been hooked ever since. <laughs> you know, especially when you see somebody alive. Turn to the Lord, and, uh, and 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 I've been doing it, going in and out. Uh, it's a little, it's a little drawback when you got tail sailing here behind you. <laughs> but, yeah. um, it's been, and that's how I got started. Uh, I got started there over over twenty years ago. Twenty years ago, and and you yeah. mentioned something that is important. Um, and I saw on the website for Azalea Prison Ministries, and we'll link that in our description for the podcast. One of the things that the um, kind of the, the mission statement, I guess you want to call it, on the website says, uh, or, or just a description, it talks about how there's churches of all denominations that yeah, minister right, right. underneath this umbrella. And that really struck me because we're, you know, we're going through the book of Acts, and in, in the early church there was not so many um, denominational lines drawn. I mean, you, I mean obviously right. you had... You had you had Jewish converts who were trying to figure out, you know, where does the law end and grace begin? And that's still a question we, sh- we wrestle with today, but you didn't have all of these different, you know, sub- subsects of, of, the, uh, of the faith. And so I saw right. that, and I thought, man, that is so encouraging. And you mentioned they, they kind of let you minister as you feel led. Is that, is that right? That is correct. You, well, when you begin, you could go in with other ministers to kind of see kind of how they conduct them. And with the you know the, the those inmates that you already know that you kind of uh, get accustomed to, but eventually because there's so many different places to go, you almost have to go by yourself because there's so many um, at Lowndes County. I know just the mail, just the mail is over 800, could wow. be over 900 now. Wow! And so when you're going to a cell to be able to cover all those cells, you know, you just, it's, it's difficult to do it two by two. You get more coverage, um, so. With that guidance, you know, going in with someone eventually can go in by yourself when you feel led to. There's mm-hmm. certain people that still come, kind of go work team and team and sing songs of praise and minister. Uh, you get 
opportunity to have contact with the inmates. Uh, there are certain places where you can't, you know, you're on the other side of the cell, other side of a door. But for the most part, you're right there in there having contact, having prayer with them. And so uh, you get to go and minister the gospel. You know, that's what Jesus wants us to do. And, uh, and so. Lewis, you know, it, it just, it really does. It just seems like such a strange thing. But really, is not this the heart of God? I mean, how, how did... How do you how do you, how do you see that? I mean, how does God view this? Does God view this like many of us in the church? I mean, these people to God. I mean, how does God view, you know, those in the prison that that are unreached? Oh, all we know is one of the most powerful scriptures in the Bible. You know, John three sixteen, gospel of the world. <laughs> you know, that's in the church. I would say more so outside the church. Mm-hmm. Jesus did a lot of his ministry outside the temple mm-hmm. and going out going about doing good, healing all of that for the rest of the devil. And those are souls just as, as much as inside of a church facility. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, and and I go and they're in trouble just like someone comes to church when they're in trouble. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going where the trouble is. And I tell them all the time, I say, well, I, I, I'll come to jail. I'm not going to hell, but I'll come to jail. <laughs> <laughs> I say, this may be your bottom, but it's time to look up. Amen. And I'm telling them, look not to me, look to Jesus Christ. Amen. And, you know, and, and, and Jesus went to those that were in trouble. Jesus went to them that were down. Jesus went to those by the wayside. He went to, you know, and so I know they're in trouble and the things have gone wrong in their life, but they can make that turn. And so all I am is a voice to, to get them to turn as, a, as, a, as an admonishment, as a warning. And so I'm just trying to share that love. I was really thinking about um, how Jesus went to the Remember the man in the tombs uh, that was in the, in the tombs and Jesus delivered him. And he said, you want to join Jesus' evangelistic team? He said, I want to go with you. But Jesus said, go back home and go tell your friends, mm. you know, all the great things that the Lord has done for you. And I was thinking, I said, well, what kind of friends did he have? <laughs> <laughs> I said, well, if, if birds of a feather flock together. That's right. So I, and I said, well, he must have had some. Worst friends that he was, but he went and told his friend to begin to go to the capitalist and begin to preach and tell them, tell them about the good news. And and that's what I'm all about, telling the good news. They had enough bad news. Mm. I don't try to take them the bad news. I'm trying to tell the good news. The good news is Jesus. You know, Amen. salvation is still just as much for them as anybody else. God Amen. ain't counted them out. Amen. Somebody else may have counted them out, but I say, no, you ain't counted out. You might be down, but... Three strike man says three strikes you out, but no, not Jesus. Mm-hmm. Jesus, you know, the number count you in. All you got to do though is return to Him, turn to Jesus. Amen. So, and He did it by me lifted up from the earth. I don't go lifting up me. I don't go lifting up my church. I go lifting up the one, the deliverer, Jesus Christ. Amen. He said, if I be lifted up from the earth, I'm going to draw all men unto me. Amen. And that's what I want to come to. And brother, you know, again, the 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 title of this episode of the podcast is One Voice. And we look at many times us who are free men, you know, we're not behind bars, we're not shackled, um, at least physically. Uh, We look at them like there's a difference. And is there really that much difference between us and them? No, man, no. Trouble is trouble, the devil is the devil. You know, man is man. (laughs) I see them, and, and when you look at many of them, you talk to them, I guess, and they're in that state of mind is sober. Some of them really got smart, got intelligence. Uh, they're just being used by the wrong one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're just they're just people like anybody else. And I, I 
seen people from the school that I teach at. I've seen them, I mean, uh, that I've taught in my classroom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I know that there's, there's just people that have all it, have, like I said, listened to the wrong one, maybe, or yeah. some thing, made some mistakes. And you got know, caught. Got caught. Many yeah, of us didn't caught. get caught. I mean, I, I think yeah, back to, you know. Correct. I say I should have been in jail. Many things that I should have been in jail, but I say man didn't catch, but the Lord saw me. I, amen. The Lord still saw me. We've all seen it come short. Amen. And I'll be first. I say I'm, I tell him in my I say I'm just a sinner saved by the grace of God. Amen. Not, Jesus not by works. No, it ain't by my works at all. And I say it ain't. You know, you your bad works. You just all you do is changing partners and trying to do the good works. That's and right. I just wanted to be Jesus' followers and. uh and I know, and I try to go in, I know I don't try to put myself up, because I know I'm nothing. And right. I know who I was. And I yeah. know the things that I did. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I know it's by grace only. It's yeah, Paul said, it. Paul said, it. I know in my flesh dwells no good thing. I mean, exactly. you know, I, we, are, we are nothing without him. Um, something else that really comes to my mind when we talk about this, you know, you hear about... Um, you know, mission trips and international mission trips and places where the gospel is is very, very scarce and places that are very, in uh, you know, in bondage or in great need. You hear about powerful moves of God. Um, do you find that the prison many times is a very, very fertile ground for ministry? It is. It is. Uh, they're hurting. And some of those are finally coming to that point. They want to turn to the Lord. Uh, you, you get a mix because some know they'll be in there but a short time, mm-hmm. you know, as opposed to some of those countries. They got to live that way, and that's where they have, they have that great faith because if, if Jesus don't do it, nobody else can. Mm-hmm. You know, we have some, you know, they say, well, I'll be out in a couple of weeks. <laughs> so yeah. they're just kind of, you know, kind of self-servantly do a little bit just enough because, you know, they remember what they were upbringing, and you could tell, and some are really sincere. Mm-hmm. And I say you got to get the police if you don't get out of jail. Mm-hmm. If you don't get out, because I'll be getting out. What if you don't get out? What's up that happens? You know, you still need Jesus. Mm-hmm. Inside the building, you should need even more when you leave. Because mm-hmm. when you get free, there's all those powers and all those things you say you're going to stop doing, those temptations are still going to be right there. Oh. You're going to still need it, man. But, the, you know, Jesus said the harvest is plentiful. It's plentiful. And um, like I said, you, sometimes you got to get in that state. I tell them many times, I say, well, you're in the whale's belly. You're in a good place. <laughs> Jonah was in the whale's belly, and I get to looking around, and then when you look at it, it's a big open cavern, and then you just got sails on the side. And I say, well, Jonah got it right. You know, if you're praying now, that's a, you're in a good position. It's all right. You need to pray. Mm-hmm. The Bible says if any man's afflicted, let him pray. Mm-hmm. I say, I'll pray with you because, you know, you know, and, and that's what the work is. And we are... As far as ministers, sometimes you have, as far as the men are concerned, I say there's over 800 inmates. You may have eight ministers for all of those 800 men. Wow. The females, I think they may be around 200. You may have three females that'll come out on a weekly basis. And sometimes I don't go every single week. I try. There's weeks you can't go. When we have an abundance of ministers, you may have, we may have 10 men. Mm -hmm. That's a good thing. Mm. You know, you might have five females to go preach to. That's on a good day. That's on a good Sunday. And you can go, actually, you can go twice a week. They got a Sunday morning 
And then in the Sunday evening, they can go as well. Um, also, I used to, but things got my time crackers through. They go on Wednesday night at mm. like 6 o'clock. So, uh, and like I said, with all of those, we don't have time to cover. You have maybe, you have an hour or so, two hours mm-hmm. to minister. So you have plenty of time, but always need more to come out and, and want to work, want to labor, if it would help there. Absolutely. You know, and we're gonna we're gonna put the the link to their to their um, refuge of hope website. Um, and well, that's under the Azalea Prison Ministries. Both of those are are under the same umbrella. And if anybody is interested, that's listening and wants to be a part and feels called, can go and and like you said, you know the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Um, so we'll put that in there. But I, I'll mention too when I was working about Asta, I had the opportunity to go uh, to a similar. Uh, ministry. I think it was in like a um, uh, kind of a work transition type facility. Uh, it wasn't okay. a full prison, but I was able to go. And, and I'll be honest, I was excited when I went. I mean, I had to go through security. I had to go through metal detectors. I had to go in, in, through, you know, bars, you know, and but I didn't feel unsafe. Um, I really, right. when we got in the room with uh, the inmates, um, I really felt like this may seem crazy to someone who's never done it or to someone who really doesn't realize how much we have in common with those who are in the jail. But I really felt like we were kind of together. I mean, I felt like I didn't feel any different than them. I don't think they felt, they might've felt like they were different than me because I was coming in there where they were at. But once, once the word began to be spoken and preached and we began to share and we began to pray, it's like, I forgot where we were. And we just had church together, and I and I just want people to hear that to know that, you know, it's if if fear may be holding someone back from that feels called to do that, you know, I mean, right. obviously, obviously God could take us at any moment doing anything, uh, but if God's called you to do it, He will equip you to do it, and 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 I just wanted people to know that I didn't feel unsafe at all, and I'm sure that's been your experience right. too. Uh, just think about a scripture. He said, perfect love casts out fear. <laughs> Amen. They're in that love and they're receiving the word and they're receiving salvation or receiving that strength and they want it. You know, mm-hmm. you, it's always equal opportunity. There'll be others around. You may have 10, 15 people, then you got another 40 or 50. You know, they're just standing on the outskirts watching television, do what they want to do. But, you know, they have an open ear. Mm-hmm. Some will come later on. Some will be sleeping. They'll come out to sell, say, where well, you have. And, and, and so it's always an inviting, and, and that's what love will do. It'll draw them. It'll draw them. And, and I never, you know, that fear leaves. And I also want to mention out there, I mean, it's one of the, one part of the jail, if I can call it the old jail, is actually extremely hot. If it's 95 outside, inside of the cells, it's like 98. Oh, my goodness. It feels like 108. You walk in and sweating. And, <laughs> wow. <laughs> and uh, when, I don't really feel that until it's time to come out. When I come out, you start coming down, you know, under the, the anointing and mm-hmm. come out. And, Woo, it is hot. <laughs> now, on the other side of the jail, they got air conditioning. Mm-hmm. They air conditioning everything. You know, so it's, you know, but I'll, I'll go back anyway. Because they, they'll say, you coming back? You coming back? When are you coming back? And I say, you better pray me in because I'm trying to go to the next cell. <laughs> the others, when you're going by to go to their cell, they can see through the window. Say, hey, you coming over here? You coming over here? Yeah. And I say, well, I have to pray, 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 pray. I put my hands together like in prayer. I, I try to come, Lord willing, right. next week. Right. So they're pulling on. Yeah. They're drawing. Where, where you at? I need you to come. 
You know, so we, it, you know, the hungry. Amen. Let's say to the hungry and thirst. Amen. After righteous. You know, those that you want to go to, I want to go to the hungry. Give me 10 people that are hungry rather than 100 people just to have a big crowd. Amen. So, Amen. And, and so many times we've we've gotten away from that. You know, I mean, you think about the way right. Jesus did it. Yeah, he preached to the 5,000, but all but 12 went right. home, you know? Right. Um, right. He'll go to the one. He went to the woman at the well just by herself. He went out of his way to go. That's exactly. And that's what it takes. You hit something right there going out of your way. I have to lead out of my comfortable bed, and many times I leave my wife. Sometimes I have to leave there and go to church. And I said, well, I, I got to go. I got to the work to do. I have to get out to bed early. Because it's not, you know, at 8 o'clock and it starts because I want to go before if I'm going to my home church. We go and I have an opportunity to go before. Or if I'm not, you know, I have to leave my family. Mm-hmm. You know, get out and say, no, I, you know, I, I told the Lord I'm going to do something for him. Amen. Which is more important than the job I, I appreciate the job I have, but that's the work. That's the call. Amen. You know, the high calling. The Bible talks about the high calling of God. The highest call you can receive when God calls you. <laughs> Amen. There is no greater work than to be a fisher of men for Him. And, exactly. uh, exactly. you know, we, we forget we forget that that those who are in the prison, you know, and help me here, what's the verse in Matthew where Jesus talks about, you know, when I was in prison, you visited me. Yeah. You know, he, that Matthew 25, I believe. Mm-hmm. I think that's yeah. it. And He talks yeah, about that. You know, if we want to, if we want to test ourselves, I mean, are we serving the Lord? There, there, He gives us, He gives us our 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 mirror to look at right there. Have we done these and, things? And it's, it's something about man. You know, man wants to be served, but you know, God wants to, us to do service. Mm-hmm. You got to be a servant. You know, Jesus become a servant to save us, and now I'm trying to give Him service. Is only reasonable. You know, Amen. I want to serve him. I want to do things to serve him, to please him. He's going to take care of me. But I say, Lord, what can I do? How can I be a voice for you? How can I use my hands? His hands used to do sin and things. His, his mouth used to speak things of ungodliness. But now, help me use that same body that you've sanctified for your purpose. Amen. You know? will. Amen. Well, it's all to glorify him. Absolutely. And real quick before we go, because you mentioned the refuge of hope. That's an interesting concept that um, Zaya Prison Ministries is, is heading up there in Quitman. Could you talk just briefly about that? Yes, and I, I know, I don't know all the details, but I know Brother Andy, when I started out, they were looking for a place to house some of the, the inmates that may come from the larger prisons and need like a, uh, a transition facility. Mm-hmm. So they have to kind of uh, sign up for it, and I guess they vet them and they... It's, of course, it's going to be a, 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 for, for the ministry. And so they come there and actually house them, take care of them. They go to classes, and it's like a transition. They actually graduate. I don't know exactly how long it takes. And they have they started with men, and now they actually have some facilities. They house women as well, and they transition from there. They help them find jobs and work, and they, they do a lot of things. Uh, but this is equipment. Brooks County does they the they prison ministry that bought land and everything, and sometimes the ministers that minister at the jails will go out. They can go out there and preach there too as well, mm-hmm. and and help and support them. And so it's just a wonderful work and that he's been doing. He's passed on, and his wife is still taking it on now, but through the help of Jesus, you know, Amen. taking it on. So, but it's, a, it's 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 great. Well, Lewis, thank you so much for coming on the show and for just. 
I just I would love to come and visit your church and and uh, sit under a word that God's giving you because I've just I mean I felt like we've had church on the phone, <laughs> but uh, thank you so much for joining us and uh, I'm sure we'll be having you on again at some point um, when I feel like you know there's something that that fits you know what God's calling is on you so thank you for joining Thanks. us and uh, I enjoyed it and I'll talk with you soon. I appreciate it. You're welcome. All right, brother. Thank God you. bless you. God bless you, too. Thank you again to Lewis Burns for joining us on the podcast tonight. Elisa was not able to, to be part of the interview, but uh, he's just such a wise man of God, and he's really put his hands to the plow and doing the work of the Lord, and he lets his fruit uh, do the testifying for his faith. So we thank him again for joining us. It's been an awesome podcast. Um, let us speak with one voice. Uh, speak to each other in songs and in spiritual hymns and and quoting scripture and uh, loving each other and not getting caught up in the fray that is side issues. Uh, so I pray that this walk through Acts will continue to bind us together in unity and love for Jesus and in love for the people that God has placed in our path. We hope you join us next week where, Lord willing, we hope to finish Acts chapter 2 where Peter preaches to the multitude and awesome stuff starts happening. So we love you. Please pray for us, and uh, we will see you next week.